This is Match Week. You are joined by myself, Artie Amini. We discuss everything soccer from the highs and the lows in the sporting week to the news that is relevant to you. Ladies and gentlemen, listening live, top of the hour on WMC Upper Montclair. And this is Match Week. Guys, I am so sorry if my voice is a little scratchy at the moment. Um, I've been through a whole bunch of stuff here in Europe. Yes, I am coming to you live from Europe at the moment. We've been able, we have the technology to do this over here. It's a little crazy, mobile setup. But hey, I would not miss this for the world. And we got to give a shout out to the man holding it back down in the studio. It is Maz on Match Week. Yep, that's right. You got another four hours of Brandon Maz Marazzo on, on the air. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> we out Come here. Come on, Maz. How we doing? We out here, bro. We out Come here. On. Artie, I don't know if you could hear it, but I just hit it with a yeah, little John, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, we here. I missed out on it. I missed out on it. I wish I could have heard it. It's definitely coming through the the recording here. We got we had to make some things happen here, but the lovely people here at 90.3 WMSC have the equipment to make it happen. And SAS Match Week. Match Week. There we go. I was waiting for you to say that. But, yeah, so half of it is WMSC's equipment. Half of it is my own personal equipment. As Maz can see me, hunched over in a corner with my microphone and pod track recorder, trying to make sure I came in clear for you guys. I mean, we're here, bro. I, I don't know how we made we're this here. happen. I Technology is a beautiful thing these days because... I gotta be honest, Hardy. When you called me to do this, I was just like, I have no clue how to do this. I need someone else here. Apparently, all I needed was your the, your soft, soothing voice to guide me, and we're here. I'm not going to lie. My voice is absolutely demolished at the moment because I will not lie to the audience. I've been having a lot of fun over here. I'll leave it at that. No details. But it. The, I will say the trip did start off miserably <laughs> with what I had to go through to get to Europe, guys. I mean, Artie, I believe you took two flights to get over to Albania? No, so um, I took a flight from Newark International to London Heathrow, London Heathrow to Dusseldorf, Germany, Dusseldorf, Germany to Tirana, Albania. Three flights to get to Albania, and and then let's not forget all the train, uh, the trains I took <laughs> to to get to Old Trafford, which we'll talk about shooting that episode in a moment. But yeah, it's been a hectic journey. I'm here in Albania, no clothes. Um. I've lost all of my Match Week t-shirts. Um, I barely have one Manchester United jersey left, but you know what? We're here. We're living out our vacation. I mean, dude, you stopped at Old Trafford, although you did lose the t-shirts. You lost the merchandise. Heartbreaking. But you did make it to Old Trafford. Did you ever think was- you were going to make it there? I-, I did think I was going to make it there. That's the thing. Like, this trip, like... I, I think Maz knows me pretty well to the fact that I'm a very stubborn man. Like, anything in life, when I put my mind to it, I will do it at any way possible. You are the it's absolute epitome of stubbornness. Exactly. Whether whether it's the good kind or the bad kind, I'm I'm there for it, you know? that's just that's just how it is um so yeah so we're gonna do a little quick recap of like sort of some like bts behind the scenes of the manchester united video that was uh that was released online i I really hope that the audience enjoyed it it was a fun fun trip it was a little nerve-wracking actually because 
when I got there, security was like, oh, are you worried about me? <laughs> I mean, they should be. It's you, Artie. I, if I saw yeah, Artie with his energy, <laughs> just the ray of sunshine, I'd be like, why is this guy so happy? Who is this guy? What's he doing here? I, I looked crazy because I looked so disheveled, so tired, with the biggest smile on my face. I have a I have a carry-on on me with a huge backpack just standing in front of security like, please, please let me in. Please, please let me in. I've, I've gone through too much right now not, not to somehow make it like somewhat into the stadium by just going to the team store, you know? I mean, did, didn't security at Old Trafford throw you off the premise after a couple of minutes of recording? So here's why. So actually, so here's the story behind it. So uh, they have to search me down everything to make sure like I'm not some like, sus, like, you know, like you got to understand if a guy walks in with two big bags that are like huge, they don't know what's inside of it. You get a little worried being a stadium, you know, sadly, this is the day that we live in. I do work in uh, event security for a stadium over at MetLife Stadium. I understand because I'd probably be like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, he's like what? Like everyone was thinking, like, wow, this American, like we don't we don't even like the club this much, and he's pulling up over here. You know? So, <laughs> um, I don't know. All, all jokes aside, security, I, I think are just as much as fans as the fans are at Manchester. But, anyways, when I got into there, everyone's like looking at me with these two bags, and I'm like, I've I've like accrued a crowd at this point, like telling the story of how I've gotten to Old Trafford, what I had to go through. And then um, I, I I buy some stuff. Granted, you know, in England, they, it is very expensive. I'm going to tell you all this right now. Uh, the, the British pound is not nice to the dollar. It, it is not nice. <laughs> I believe the British pound is, comes out to like $1.07 at this point. Might be more. Well, I, uh, I'm just going to say this. So I had to convert over $350 for uh, train fare and uh, buying some food and clothes and stuff just in case. And um, that turned into 240 British pounds. And everything over there is priced out as if it's like the American price. So, for example, if you want to get a bottle of water, if you're to go to like any random restaurant in the U.S., you'll get a bottle of water for $2.50, right? Hopefully. And in England... So in, in England, they have it priced as as two pounds and fifty pence. Okay, which so comes out to that to when you convert that to the USD, that's basically five dollars bottle of water. <laughs> Ow! I mean, dude, I I can't even fathom paying five dollars for a bottle of water. But these are the times we live in. Yeah, but that but that's basically how it was though, because like for that they have to do it based off of their currency and how people make money over there. You know, it's sort of like cost of living in the U.S. Now stuff is priced out. Anyways, this is not an economics podcast. This is a soccer show. S A S match week. This is match week. No, no, no. Este es matemáticas. Um, no, no, but all no matemáticas, man. This is match week. So let's get to let's get to the football, bro. The only, the only the only math we care about is points are uh, that and there are teams in the table. That's really it. But and goal anywho, scored. back to the and goal scored. Yes. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Um. So I so I I get out of buying some stuff. Right. I got some like memorabilia like for the house, like some magnets, some signs, and I got. Thank God, I bought the coach's uh, training kit. Because if I didn't buy that, I would have nothing to wear for the first five days of being here in Albania. So, oh yeah, dude, you got to be walking around swagged out. Am I right? 
Yeah, you got you to be swagged out. Um, so the funny thing was, was that as I got out, like security's asking me questions. They're like, oh, you know, like, so why do you have so much camera equipment? I'm like, oh, you know, like I have um, I have a radio show at WMSC 90.3. Like, you know, we got to shout out the radio station. Upper and, Montclair. Um, I also have Montclair and I also have a podcast you can listen to online when we're not live on air, you know, so. Uh, either or if the audience prefers it, but you know, that's how it is. You know, if you want to come here, come here. If you don't, that's fine. But anywho, they're asking me about it. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And then like, they're, they're sort of testing me, right? They're trying to think, oh, how much of a real Manchester United fan like this American is, right? So they start like laying down questions, like my opinions about stuff, how we're talking about it. And like, at the end of the conversation, they look at me, they're like, I, like, they're like, they're like dumbfounded at a point. Cause they, they just don't, they don't understand like how someone can like, be as upset as they are at the club, but like explain it in like a blissful way, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you're a Manchester United fan, things are on the upward trend, but you still have to be upset, I guess. Would you disagree? Well, I mean, here's the these these past couple of weeks, like so when I had shot the video, it was a different time in how the transfer business was going, right? But now with um now with you know when the video was released uh we had signed a couple of players uh things have sort of changed a bit and it's looking really prosper prosperous for the club at the moment i mean preseason has been really exciting really fun um it's really happy to see but hey we're here it's happening um just to make sure that we don't divulge because i want to talk more about some of the transfers that have happened i want to make sure that we cover a lot more i want to just make sure uh, we finished the story, but anyways, what was I gonna say? Um, so we, I finished talking to security and everything. I'm like, yeah, you know, like I was planning on maybe shooting a video here. Like, so, um, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, you are not allowed to film in front of Old Trafford without the rights of the club. Like, you need to get rights from the club in order to film in front of Old Trafford. Very interesting. So, uh. So like I was like re I felt really defeated at, at a certain point. So I go to the side of the bit because I have, I'm like trying to find a restroom at this point. And the guy like who was security, um, I will not say his name. I supposedly he was security. I don't know what he was allegedly. Um, but he had uh came to the side of me, and he had said, "Hey, um, in front of the Sir Matt Busby United, uh, behind that statue, you can sort of uh hide behind it." where the cameras won't see you and where security won't really acknowledge you. So if you hide behind there for a bit, you should be okay to film and no one should bother you cuz technically you're close to the you're close to the parking lot and it's also out of sight out of mind thing. Security doesn't want to have to see you and have to take care of you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um so what ends up happening is that I'm behind the I'm, I'm behind the statue I'm by myself for a little while for like uh 15 or so minutes. And I, I, I was filming behind that statue for at least 45 minutes because I was trying to get some, like, shots done for online. I wanted to take some pictures and stuff. So I wanted to leave the remainder of the time to actually shooting the episode. So um, we're shooting the episode and everything. Um, me, my whole the whole entire time, I have my head on a swivel, as you can notice. Uh, if you watched on the video, that's what you can sort of notice, is that my head was on a swivel and everything. And from there, we were just uh, doing our thing, working, trying to get the show done. And then a crowd of people starts surrounding us. Like, the video doesn't show it because I was sort of like facing me, but a, like I would say about 50 Manchester United fans start surrounding me and like start listening to me. They're like, yeah, yeah, we like the sound of that. Yeah, what, who's this guy? Woo. 
You know, like it was sort of like I, I was like I was like preaching to a choir or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then that's where like security pulls up and they're like, uh, we're gonna have to sadly ask you to leave, or we have to, or they gave me the option. It's like you either have to leave the premises right now. Or you have to stop filming and delete the footage. <laughs> so yeah, I'll I was leave like, the premise oh, right yeah. there. No, 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 no. So I, I sort of did, you know, like my already wizardry with technology. I was like, oh yeah, totally. I'll, I'll delete the footage, no problem. So I had a mess up take on the. So what I'm using right now to make sure my audio is coming clear is my PodTrack recorder. So I had taken the SIM card out from the PodTrack recorder, not the camera one, and. I had a, and then I had picked a file where I had made a couple like mistakes slash outtakes, and I showed my I showed myself deleting that file of audio being deleted, not video. And they're like, "Oh, okay, you're fine. So if you want, you can finish taking the pictures, and you just got to leave. That's it." I was like, "All right, yeah, perfect, no problem." So I was able <laughs> to shoot my video, be done, and then leave <laughs> while shooting more pictures of the stadium. So, Artie, what I'm hearing is, is that you conned the Old Trafford security into filming longer. Uh, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. So he said, potentially, we're not sure what really happened. Um, we weren't over in Manchester. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the moral of the story, is that I was able to see the love of my life's stadium. Yes, that's right. Manchester United is the love of my life. Of uh, my I'm life. Very it's been a rough relationship, huh? <laughs> Rough relationship. It's 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 been a commitment. I can say that much. It's been a commitment, but um, yeah, that was fun. And then the my traveling debacle starts after that. So as soon as I'm done at Old Trafford, I take the train to get back to the main station I have to get to, which is Manchester Piccadilly Station, which is the main station to get back to London, so I can get to London Heathrow. Okay. Excuse me. Sorry. So then, from. So from my train in Manchester, Piccadilly, the how do I explain it? So the main so when you buy a ticket for a big station like that, it's sort of like when you book a flight and you have to book your round trip, right? So it's the same thing with the train. So I got myself a train ticket with a return as well, which was about ninety eight pounds and twelve pence. So you're talking well over a hundred dollars. Yeah, so however you want to convert it, you can convert it. It's fine. Um, so there was only two, by the time I was done filming and doing everything, there was only two time slots left to go back to the to the station and uh, make it back for my train ride. So if I had known what was going to happen, I would have stopped to the Nando's near, the, near Old Trafford and enjoyed some great, great Portuguese food. But, you know... Didn't get to happen. Really sad about that, but is what it is. So we get to the station, and from there it was, um, it was hectic because, so it was supposed to. I was supposed to take an eight fifteen train ride, and that train ride ends up getting canceled, and then there was another one for nine fifteen, and then the one for nine fifteen didn't arrive until ten thirty at night, so and then while we were on, <laughs> so you're just stranded there. Yeah, so I'm just sitting there in the train station. I ended up getting some Burger King from England, which I have to say Burger King is way better in Europe. For anyone who travels in Europe, you can trust Burger King. Burger King is actually good over there. If you want. If you want. If you want. That's that completely not on you. That 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 is that is questionable yes, to me yes, yes. still. That That is not a paid promotion from Burger King. That is just my 
horrendous experience of travel at this current time. But anyways, um, so we were there and I, I get, I get the food. And so the train doesn't leave till 1030. And then from 1030, the train stops in the middle of one of the stops an hour into the train ride because there was another train on the same track as us by accident. So they had to swap the other train off that track because of how delayed our train was. So that was another 45 minute wait for that train to move. And then from there, we were able to get all the way back into London, Houston, where I had to go. And at this point, all the train rides I expected on taking back to the airport were closed and done. The train doesn't start back up till five in the morning next day. And my flight's at 8, 8 a.m. So I didn't want to risk it by taking a train at three in, at three hours for my flight and risk anything. So what I end up doing is that I have to stand in sort of the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's, it's not a nice part of London to say the least, you know, it's the part where you sort of have to worry a bit and, uh, you know, just sitting there, there's, there's some, there's some crazy stuff in stewing that we can't talk about on the show. Just, you know, like minding my own business, hiding to the side, making sure nothing happens. And then finally I was able to find a taxi that wouldn't overcharge me because a lot of the taxis were trying to charge me 90 pounds to take me to the airport at one o'clock in the morning, which was meanwhile only a 20 minute drive. Um, so I had to keep waiting and waiting until I found a guy who would finally only uh, charge me 55 pounds, which was great. Meanwhile, still a lot of money, but better than paying 80, 90 pounds. And I finally get to the airport at, what was it? It was 3.30 in the morning, finally. And that's when you take the flight? No, so my flight was at 8 a.m., but I still had to check in. And by the time I got there at 3.30 in the morning, no one was there to check anybody in for flights. So you were there five hours early for a flight? Yes. Okay. And then you hop on this flight, I'm assuming, and is this where... So so here's what happens. So then now I have to wait until someone for a check-in is there. And no one gets there to start checking in people for flights, which, by the way, the earliest flight that morning is at 5.50 through Turkish Airlines. No one gets there till 4.45 start checking people in. Interesting. So you're just hanging around and then finally get checked in. So here's the thing. So you know how in the U.S. we have like different check-in zones for different flights and airlines and everything. It's all organized and all neat. At London Heathrow, there's only check-in zone A, B, C, D. If you are within a certain sector of Europe, you'll be in that check-in zone. And with Europe, there's a lot of different tra- company uh, n- countries you could travel to because of how small the countries are. Yep. So I was stuck in the part where it's like all the eastern countries. <laughs> so everywhere from Germany to Russia to like southern Europe, that's where all the countries were included. So think about how long that check-in line is. Yeah, you're going to be waiting there a while. So uh, even though I was one of the first ones there, Maz, first one there, I had to wait two hours to check in. You sound like me waiting for Ronaldo to get a transfer. Never going to happen, but, you know, we we move on. (laughs) Anyways, oh, wait, hold on. I think I have an alarm going off. Uh, Come on, Artie, you're killing me. Anyway, so Artie's over here at the train station. I'm sorry, the airport. Eventually, you got to get on a flight, right? You head over to Germany? So, here's what happens. 
I finally check in, but they make me check in my carry-on because my carry-on was too heavy from the U.S. So I check in my carry-on. It's like, I would say 9 to 10 kg, which is, I think, about 22 pounds. Okay. Whatever it is. It's overweight. Yeah. So you got to check it's it over in. over eight. But luckily, I didn't have to pay for it because in London, I was allowed two free check bags. Okay. Which, if I had known prior to what was about to happen to all my clothing, I would have balled out on some clothing to make sure I had. But anyways, move on. So I check in for my flight. And when I get to the terminal and everything and, and try to find my gate, my gate, it's being told your gate will be assigned at 750 Meanwhile, boarding starts for my flight at 7.30, and my flight's at 8 a.m. Okay. So now what? <laughs> so now I have to, like, I'm basically, like, detective mode searching for my gate. I'm trying to, like, you know, like, tactical thinking, like, you know, deduction of, like, oh, X, Y, and Z is here, so I must be over here and stuff. So I finally find it, and um, so there was supposed to be... Uh, check-in groups, priority check-in and normal check-in. Threw it out of the window, so I had to wait in the back of the line, even though I had priority check-in, but we, you know, we, we live. It's okay. And uh, finally, I board my flight. We fly to Germany. And as soon as you land in Germany in the gate, the first gate you get out of, there's automatically passport control, which, okay, you know what? Makes sense. Get it out of the way now instead of walking half, like, all the way across the airport to do it, whatever. So I do my pass passport control, check-in, and then I have to walk literally from one edge to the airport all the way to the other edge of the airport to get to my terminal and to get to my gate. So as I'm like three quarters of the way through my walk through the airport to get there, I have to hit another passport control. Meanwhile, each passport control line is about an hour, hour and 30. So you had to hit. Yeah, no, thank you. I would have given up on the trip right there. <laughs> so I so then luckily because I had a I had a decent layover like five hours I was able to make it to my gate. Okay, so you now, get to the gate. Same thing. So I get to the gate. Same thing here. There's supposed to be a priority check-in and a normal check-in. Didn't happen. There was no. So then I have to. So I find. So my flight was delayed 45 minutes. So I tell my my taxi driver when they pick me up in Albania. Hey, my flight's being delayed like 45 minutes to an hour. So come at this time so you don't have to wait forever for me. So, Maz, at this point, I am exhausted. I have not slept in three days. I have been running on monsters and uh, uh, what's, it, what's it called? The, the British Gatorade. Um, Lucasade, I think it's called. I have no clue. I didn't even know there was a British Gatorade. Does yeah, it taste good? Gatorade does not. Yeah, but Ga Gatorade does not exist in um in uh in in uh, England for some reason. But um, so I have my Lucasade, which uh -huh. basically tastes like a Sunny D, but healthy. I don't know how they did it, but it was weird. Um, and so that's all I was surviving off of. And then I, so you know, like when you're falling asleep and your head starts bobbing and like bobbing, you're trying to keep yourself awake. And then you knock out. So I fell asleep. Like, I'm boarding on my flight. I fell asleep for two hours. I wake up. The plane still hasn't even taken off yet. <laughs> so you've just been sitting in the terminal. Well, on the runway, I guess. 
Yes, for two hours. <laughs> and it never goes. Okay, so the plane takes off. No, but here's the thing. So the plane had to wait another half hour after I woke up because supposedly there was too many planes leaving at one point. So you had to wait for certain points, uh, certain planes to exit at certain times. Okay, so the plane finally takes off. Plane, fa- plane finally takes off. I, I land in Albania. I get to passport control. It takes two seconds, in and out, no problem. And then I go to the baggage claim. And first, the very first, very first bag to come out was my carry-on I checked in London. Oh, lovely. My carry-on's out already. That was the thing I was a bit worried about. It's fine, but you know what? I got it. Now I'm just going to wait for my big luggage. I start waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. How long you wait? waiting? I waited an hour. It never came. An hour and it never came. Yes. I, I waited to the point where basically everyone left the airport but me. So, Artie, so you end up in Albania after all these, all these obstacles just for them to misplace your clothes. Not just clothes, like all of like like I had I had spent a decent amount of money on clothes for this vacation, um, clothes that I've had for like years, all of the Red Bull apparel that was given to me um, from the New York Red Bulls, um, all of my workout clothes that I had from America, my cleats and my foot sole shoes are now gone. Um, I have all basically half of my sneakers that I owned were now gone. Um, I only have like two pairs of shoes over here and you know, that's, I have to live off of that. So what um, I'm hearing is, is that everything's gone and you're over in Albania enjoying the family, but you got nothing. So I actually had to go to a local uh, store, which is basically the equivalent of an H and M called Maz. (laughs) You're going to love this. It, It is called LC Waikiki. No, it's not. Stop it. <laughs> that is the greatest name for a store I've ever heard in my life. So apparently, <laughs> so you end up at at this store that ends with Waikiki, which is fantastic. Artie, during this entire time, do you know how much stuff you missed in soccer news? It's off so the charts. I look so listen, so I look through. Um, so Lissandra Martinez officially signs with Manchester United. Manchester United secures Christian Eriksen. Um, Chelsea secured Raheem Sterling. Um, cool Bali was like supposedly seen in Chelsea, uh, doing a medical. Uh, Zinchenko was now rumored to go to Arsenal. Uh, a lot. So basically, I was keeping track of everything until I got to Old Trafford. So I sort of knew of some rumblings of stuff, but I left it there. And as soon as after Old Trafford hit, it was like a wave of news that I had. I, I didn't think it was possible to miss out on. I didn't think, like, they chose that day. Everyone decided, you know what? We're getting our business done on July 11th. July 11th, July 12th. That is when all of our business will be done. That's it. That's what it felt what like, honestly. I mean, there's just been so many transfers. I mean, do you want to, like, run through this real quick? So here's the thing. So we're so I made a list for Maz uh, because I had to do a lot of research of missing out on stuff. And I made a list of all the confirmed transfers in uh, what had happened in the sort of uh, what I deemed these to be were um, like, I would say like actual like big money move transfers, like transfers that are going to make a difference. 
So we're going to start off with Raheem Sterling to Chelsea. We talked about this a lot on the show with Besmir. Um, the show uh, was expecting it to happen. We didn't think anything less of it. We knew that it was a a potential possibility that should have been, that should have been happening. Yeah, I mean, now here we are. I mean, do you like the move though? Here's the thing. I spoke about this when we did Inkersync on it. Um, if the move is anything less than fifty five million, I think it's a ink. I think it's great for Chelsea. If it's anything above that, I thought it'd be a problem because a, um. You're even though you're strengthening your squad, you're giving too much money to a club that already has money. And B, I like I think I'm one of the few people that say this without like trying to pointlessly target Raheem Sterling. Um, like he's just not worth that price tag. Like I and I've said this about plenty of other players, like uh Harry Maguire is not worth the type that type of price tag either, and so on and so forth. And I do believe it's a good move. I'm a little worried about it because it really does help strengthen the Chelsea front line. And it brings in a senior figure. We have to understand this. And this is where I always give Raheem Sterling credit for. Raheem Sterling has been playing professionally in this game since 16, 17 years old for Liverpool. He had a stunning three seasons where Liverpool were on the cusp of winning a title with Steven Gerrard still on the team. You had a Luis Suarez going supernova. This is when Daniel Sturridge was considered a top talent in Europe. Like, this was no joke of a Liverpool team still at that time. And then when he leaves, he sort of starts this dynasty with Man City, uh, the Pep Guardiola dynasty. He's there for the beginning of it. He is the guy who is sort of like Pep's jewel in the crown until Kevin De Bruyne gets there with, like, Sergio Aguero and company and so forth. But just to put that to perspective, this is the, the type of fo- football that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about a guy who... Nonetheless, is in the prime of his career at 27 years old and going to yeah, Chelsea, yeah. who has a bunch of money to spend. Well, here's the thing. Like, this is the one critique we always give about Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling benefits a lot from the amount of chance creation that City has. So he is afforded the fact that he can take about nine to ten shots a game and score goals, right? Which is, I mean, people make that argument for every footballer, but when you're in a Man City side and when it's the type of chances where they serve you up on a silver platter, you know, it's yeah. it's a discussion that has to be had. I mean, call me crazy. Whenever I think of Raheem Sterling, I just always think of super sub to me. So for him to be starting, I mean, like we've definitely seen him start for City, but you've always seen Pep like mess with the lineups, and I think he's always done better where the spotlight isn't necessarily on him. I'm really interested to see how it's going to be over at Chelsea because he is expected to be in the starting lineup basically every week now. Well, here's the, I feel like that's sort of harsh on Raheem Sterling fact because he's someone who I think starts in nearly every Premier League team bar Liverpool. I think that's the only team he does not get a start in anymore. Fair. But, but can he do fact, it with the spotlight on him? I, I, I Don't get me wrong. Like it, With Chelsea, it's going to be a lot of maneuvering and figuring out what's going to happen because you have the likes of Mason Mount. You have the likes of Kai Havertz, uh, Timo Werner, uh, Hakim Ziyech. Is he going to be leaving the club now because, because Raheem Sterling's in this team? Like, There's many factors that are being played into this and that have to be figured out, you know? Absolutely. But I think that we'd be fine with it. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, just last year, four-man city in the Prem, 
13 goals, 5 assists. I mean, you're getting production out of him. They have so many names. I think if he can be the focus, I think he'll actually get more product out of him. But it's all whether or not he can come up to the pressure that he's going to be under now. Because he seems like he's going to be the guy. I I don't think all the pressure is on him, to be perfectly honest. Like I think the English media will, because they love to target Raheem Sterling. Always. Unrightfully so. They they unrightfully they unrightfully do target Raheem Sterling a lot, but I think besides the English media, I think no other person has an expectation for him. No one is expecting him to come in and to go supernova, score twenty plus goals, get fifteen plus assists, and be an animal. I think they're expecting someone who's going to be a seasoned professional, someone who's going to help organize a team and bring it to a level that it might not have seen before. Like I, I, I may, I may be thinking a level higher than the level that they were when they won the Champions League, and that was a, even though that was a decent Chelsea team, that wasn't the, that wasn't the level that a team could hit, you know. So here's my question: Obviously, you think that Sterling's going to be a better addition. If you had to put a cap on like the goals and assists, what do you think he's going to be? What's the damage he's going to be able to do for Chelsea this season? I, I think he gets twenty plus goal contributions. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I like that. Yeah. So moving on here, who who's our next player already? So this one, I'm honestly disappointed in. I mean, Bayern Munich, they lost a few center back options, but the fact that they were able to bring in a, a Matthias Delict is is actually crazy. It's insane. Someone of yeah, someone of his stature who is a solid center back. Granted, hasn't had the time of it at Juve. I think that's just because he never fit Juve's system. I think Juve's a mess. They don't have a solid manager right now. Uh, with with bringing back someone like Allegri, who should have never came back to the club, having to play under an, an Andrea Pirlo, who's it was a first year being a manager, he's had a tough time of it, you know? And maybe going to Bayern, having more security, having actual, like, a coach in Julian Nagelsmann, who was used to the Red Bull system, had to always train youth. I think it's going to benefit him tremendously. But he could have gone to a City or a Chelsea easily and been a starter, in my personal opinion. I'm with you, but or I... Even a, or, or he could have even gone to Real, and he would have given Eder Militao and David Alaba a run for their money. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. This is a guy who should be playing at the highest of stages. And the fact that Bayern loses a uh, a Sule and instantly plugs the gap with a Delict is just absolutely insane to me. Like that that was a quality move. But then plus we have to understand they've brought in more security on that right flank now bringing in someone like a Maserawi on a free from Ajax mm-hmm. who is all Oh, Matthias Delict's like prior teammate, like they've played together before, which is now a huge boost to that back line. You know what else? Which is- you, now you're gonna have a. I'll go ahead. My listen, bad. this you're gonna have a star of Alfonso Davies. Yep. Upamecano, Delict, and Masrawi. If yeah. that's not one of the top back lines in Europe, I don't know what is. I mean, you're talking about a lot of speed there, and there is uh, there's I, rumors. That they're possibly switching to a three-five-two with that lineup. I mean, they have the speed to I do think, it. Yeah, but it's not about speed. Like at the end of the day, like speed does have a factor in 
sort of the the mobility of players and how they're able to move through the field. But doing a three at the back with the players they have is not worth it. Because personally, you wouldn't want to put all your bag, eggs in one basket, have all of your center backs starting right now because they realistically only have three. They have uh, Lucas Hernandez, yep, Dan Umacano, and Matthias Delict. Those are their only three. So you're better off having the back four where you have an Alfonso Davies who even though like he could play in a deep block, like he there they have a system where either Maserali can stay back and Davies can go up or Davies stay back and Maserali go up. Like that's the quality they have and that's a system that is the Bayern system. Like Bayern plays your four three three, whether it's a fall with a false nine or whether it's with two holding DMs or no matter the what, they play a German four three three tactical balls through harsh strong that's what that team is yeah i just feel like when you have a a joshua kimmich in that in that lineup and now that you have a delict coming there you have so many capabilities and you can really mess with a couple of things because not only are these players quality they're very young too they're gonna be there i I expect to live to be there for a, a long time you know and they're definitely gonna be messing around with some things it's a real interesting time for Bayern Munich. Here's the thing. I do have to say that someone like a Dayon is going to be very excited about how the Bayern Liga is going to be even more just called Bayern Munich League. Oh, oh the Bundesliga? Yeah, the Bundesliga <laughs> is just... It's going all the way because to like, Bayern. Look at Bayern's business. Yep. Look at that. They've brought in Sadio Mane, a Maserawi, a Gravenberch, a delict. Plus, they've re-signed players on contract like a Serge Nabry and Leroy Sané. This team's getting supposedly really Josh. What was that? Still, like you still have. I supposedly the the Englishman uh, Josh Richards is leaving. He's gonna go to Crystal Palace or Nottingham. So they're they're. I think they're gonna be in the green. Like they're gonna be in profit this transfer window with selling Lewandowski as well. Dude, Levin- that is the only risk. Done. I'm gonna be honest. Which leads into <laughs> so just as like a smooth transition, our next discussion is Lewandowski to Barcelona. Yeah, that's why I was taking us, dude. It is how do they have money? I, I I don't understand. This is supposed to be a club who Messi was isn't gonna be there because they're into financial troubles. The club was close to folding during COVID, and now here they are signing the best striker. Of honestly, probably the last five years, if not more. Well, let's. Well, here's the thing. Let's review Barcelona's business, right? So this past couple of days, they've secured Lewandowski and they've also secured Rafinha. Not only that, they've re-signed Usman Dembele to a new four-year deal, or a three-year deal, or something. They, he's gotten a new contract. Um, they also were able to. They were also able to bring in Christensen, a Kessier. They might sell Memphis the pie, but when you have someone like a Lewandowski, you still have a bombing there. You still have Ferran Torres and Sufati. What's who cares? Sell sell the pie, make your money back. And they're linked to Bernardo Silva, one of the most creative players in the world today. I don't understand I just, how this is happening. Yeah, but they're. I think they're one hundred percent going to lose Frankie, just because he's not going to want to drop his wages, and rightfully so. If you sign a player to wages, you promise him to pay him. And then now you're saying you don't want to pay him. You're going to have to sell him. How, that's not fair to the player. He's doing his job. 
It's not. It's not his fault. You can't. You can't manage your finances. Yeah, I, it just it makes no sense. I mean, how confident are you in Bayern in La Liga this year? I'm sorry, in Barca in La Liga this year. Already? I mean, it's yeah, it's Barca and La Liga is not going to be any joke whatsoever. Let's make that very clear. Granted, both Real and Barca have strengthened their teams tenfold to what they were last year. Mm-hmm. It's still not no guarantee. Like even last year wasn't even a guarantee. Last year it was still a close, like two man race. I I didn't see Atletico getting close. I didn't really see any other team getting close, to be honest. So you think in the league is still going to be a two team race right now? But does does Madrid still have the edge for you, even though you just had? A uh, Rafinha and a Lewandowski to Barca. Well, here's the thing: Real brought in a Tuchmeni. Yep. Um, they have also brought Rudiger, which is gonna impact that team tremendously. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that whatsoever. Interesting. So, moving on here. I mean, you mentioned it before. Your guy, uh, the Man United, uh, picked up Lissandro Martinez. How you feeling about the move? Um, I, I'm curious about it because if we're still in talks with getting Frankie De Jong, which I know is still seen as crazy to a lot of people, but it's still a possibility, right? Yeah. Where does Lissandro play? Because we just brought in Tyrell Malasia, who I think is going to supercharge that left back spot, making Luke Shaw have to work. So that takes a position away from, uh, Lissandro. You could throw him at center back, but if that's the case, you're going to have to play him in a back three. So then now, who's going to be your starting midfield? <laughs> like, we, we haven't really reinforced the midfield that much with losing so many players. And then if you want him to play as a back two in that defense, then who is starting, Veron or Maguire? And then what's going to happen with either of them? Like, meanwhile, I'm still on that get rid of Harry train, but it's not as easy, you know? No, I feel you. So do you think this Martinez signing was just more of a, hey, we're just trying to get him on the books in case we miss out on a Frankie De Jong? I think Lissandro was very ne- like necessary because especially to someone like a Ten Hag, there's no real security in what th- um, in what some of these players are bringing, you know? Um you you only have one guarantee with Bruno, and that's if he has a solid season. And through what we've seen so far in preseason, it's sort of like he's finding his form again. Um, and then you also have to factor in how the rest, because we don't know what's gonna happen with the youth. We've seen uh, we've seen Zidane, Iqbal, and we've seen uh, Hannibal going off in preseason. We still have Fred. We still have McTominay. Even though like McFred gets made fun of all the time. Fred's looking sharper and sharper with having Ronaldo there and even now in Ten Hag sort of lighting a fire under him and he's just he's he's looking the part now, you know? He's playing his position that he's always wanted to play, which is a box to box at United. So then what happens to Adani and then if Frank like there's a lot of things that are going to happen and there just needs to be a definite to what's gonna happen, you know? So as a man United fan, how excited are you for this next season? I'm not going to lie. I was not excited until I've been watching the preseason friendlies. Like seeing a Martial 
rejuvenated for some reason. Like you thought when he was playing at Sevilla, he was going to score, but he was still miserable. But then now being back with the lads, like being reinvolved into the team. Honestly, I'm going to say this right now, not having Ronaldo there for that tour, it really looks like that team has been rejuvenated. So do you think, so we've heard multiple instances from people all that season that Ronaldo's the problem at United. Do you believe this? Look, I've made this point before. I think it's unfair to say Ronaldo's the problem when Ronaldo saved us a handful of times. But it's also the fact of, like, look at the trail that Ronaldo leaves. Like, at, at Real Madrid, he left a bit of a trail, but Real fixed themselves up, and you've had a Kareem Benzema be a superstar ever since he left. Yep. At Juventus, he sort of left them worse than when he came. But I, I you can't put that on Ronaldo, or you can't really put that on the club, because, like, the club's had issues, and Ronaldo is sort of Ronaldo when you throw him into a team. Yeah, I, but then also, go ahead. But then also at United, you can't have a player like Ronaldo at United without having security in what you have. So Ronaldo works at a Real because they have security of what they have there as Real. Like Real is Real Madrid, whereas as of late, Manchester United has not been the Manchester United that Ronaldo knows, nor that what the world knows. Fair enough. I mean, I think for him, I mean, let's be honest, the guy's 37. And even so, even though you have the age factor, I mean, he's still arguably one of the top players out there. It's just plugging a hole, like, from a guy that's that big. I mean, he leaves a gap. If you're not making moves, if you look at, like, Juventus, they weren't really making moves when he was there. So, I don't know, I really can't put the blame there. But then again, maybe again, that might be the bias showing. But speaking of Juventus, they've had a couple of moves in this transfer window. Yeah, so Juve have brought in two phenomenal players. They've brought in Di Maria, which was a great signing. Di Maria, it, honestly, Messi, I never liked that move of him going to PSG because, yet again, it's Di, Di Maria being forced to the wayside for no reason. Someone who has been a quality player of this generation. Like, people forget... Even with Ronaldo at Real Madrid, he single-handedly dragged them to a final. Let's not forget this. Yep. Yes, Ronaldo's quality. Yes, that team was quality at the time. But you cannot forget how good Agnel Di Maria was. I'll tell An you right absolute now. I'll tell you right now, I would go as far to claim that Angel Di Maria is the best Argentinian on the planet right now in current form. Yeah, if we're, if we're talking about current form with Messi... It's tough because we can't say Messi's not up there just because he's had a down season for the first time in his career. Same thing as Ronaldo. Ronaldo's technically had a down season for the first time in his career, even though it was still 18 goals. Yeah. Like, imagine being a player and having 18 goals in the Premier League, one of the hardest leagues in the world to play in. Having 18 goals is very impressive. And still, it's considered a down season for him. Yeah, no, I mean, that's just the level that those two have been coming at. But if you've been watching... The Argentinian national team, I mean, Di Maria just looks like he's on another level at times. He's so comfortable in national play. And now that he can be the guy at Juve and kind of be the focus of, like, the attack, I I think that's going to be really quality for him. Honestly, if there was no Messi in this era, 
it would be a Ronaldo Di Maria conversation, to be perfectly honest. Like, I'm not saying this to overhype the player just because he used to play at Manchester United. Like, I'm not saying that for any sort of bias. Like, honestly, his worst spell was at United. Like, his worst his worst stint in his career was at Manchester United. Granted, he had a really rough time of it with being in a team that was just fresh off of being seventh place. Um, a team where there's Memphis Depay as a youngling figuring out where he's going to be. A team... Or even a, a situation where in his first three months of living in the country, his whole house gets broken into and robbed. Like, it was, he did not have it easy at being in Manchester. So that's where you sort of have to, like, give him a break. And honestly, I, I give any player a break that's been in Manchester United. Look at Memphis Depay. Memphis Depay, phenomenal for PSV Eidhoven. Went to United, had a, had a bit of a stink. Then went to Lyon, went supernova, probably was... Like that, there's a reason why he got to move to Barcelona. Like the Memphis Depay is a class player. Now you just mentioned uh, if there was no Messi, you'd put Di Maria up there. My only question to you is, where do you rank Luis Suarez within those four? Suarez, I would say, is below Di Maria. Ooh, I granted. Granted, I know, I know, Mads, but you have to understand. Di Maria. If, if, if we're talking about the person in their prime season, Di Maria in his prime season to me is more valuable than a Luis Suarez in his prime season. That is a debate. You just started a debate amongst the internet that's going to be lasting hours. But, Artie, before see, we move on here and you respond to me, you do you know what time it is? Oh, it is top of the hour on WMSC Upper Montclair. And this is... Match week. So uh, you were saying. I have a question. Oh, go ahead. So just, just, just sort of divulge for a second. Do you like my top of the hour? Like, do I do it smooth, or is it sort of like, is it annoying? Um, I don't hate it. It's just like, it's. Uh, I wish you would say ninety point three WMSC, but like that's just me being nitpicky. You know, yeah, I, I, I just I, always I, say the whole thing. That's just me because I always, I don't know. I know all you have to say is WMSC, uh, but I always just say 90.3. That's just me. It sounds nice. I mean, 90.3 WMSC sounds quality. It does. It does. But here's the thing. Like, right now, we do have a lot of listeners in Europe actually listening. Um, I just got a text message that uh, we are actually live on a beach speaker. So while everyone's at the beach tanning and hanging out, we are blasting in the background (laughs) talking about soccer. So. I mean, dude, I I, I bet you just caused a debate on the beach in Europe right now by having... I like Di Maria, don't get oh, yeah. me wrong. But over Suarez, ooh, that's got to be an episode. I have five Liverpool fans hitting up my line saying, how dare you just bring Luis Suarez? Oh, well, it is what it is. Don't care. Here we but are. besides the point, on to our next... We do have Bremer. Now, Bremer is a day-on favorite, rightfully so. He was voted... Um, he was voted City uh, player uh, defender of the season. Absolutely insane, great season, breakthrough season. With losing someone like Matthias Delict, bringing in to bring someone like Bremer to replace him was actually great business from Juve. Like whoever is running the business and at at, at Juventus for sporting director is doing a great job at this current moment. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Juve gets back to their winning ways. Always like to see them do good. And uh, I just wish that they would have made these moves when Ronaldo was there. Maybe he doesn't leave, and maybe they actually get somewhere. But, I said it. Uh, yeah, I said it. 
But I've 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 been of this like fact from the get go that Ronaldo will never thrive at clubs like Juventus, like United at their current stage. Like he has to be at a Galactico type team like a PSG or even a Man City or even a Real Madrid. Those are the only three teams you will see Ronaldo thrive in his actual habitat because United are nowhere near close what they used to be, so they can't really facilitate that success for him. Yeah, I mean, you talk about one of the biggest players. He deserves to be around one of the biggest teams playing at the highest level. But speaking of Juventus, we had a uh, a free transfer happen for a, a nice uh, former Juventus player heading cross town to Roma. Yeah, so... Paul Dybala surprisingly goes to AS Roma. Um, I don't. It's confusing because Roma have a Tammy Tammy Abraham, who has been absolutely phenomenal for them. He's had such a great season. Um, I don't know if this was a Jose move. I I doubt this was, but this 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 doesn't feel like it fits. I don't. I didn't think Inter Milan. I think anywhere in Italy did not fit for Paul Dybala, personally. The, the couple of destinations that I think he would thrive more at is a Chelsea, is even a Tottenham, or even um, going to a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. Like, this move just doesn't make sense. I'm going to be honest. I feel like if Dybala would have ended up at, like, a Real Madrid, he would have ended up on loan the same way that you saw, like, Oligard to um, Arsenal. I feel like he's a quality player. I just think he gets lost kind of in the mix of guys at times. And I think he could actually get some legitimate starting time at Roma. Well, here's the thing. It's like, Paulo Dybala, you're coming off as a free transfer now. You can go anywhere you want. And Real Madrid have a gaping hole at right wing where you could slot in and fill in so easily. Um, granted, it's not his preferred position, but some of his best seasons at Juventus was playing out wide at right with Mario Mandzukic in the middle. Um, so imagine a front three of Vinicius, Dabala, and Benzema. Yeah, it would be scary. Yeah, Jonathan Chavaria would be loving this right now if if Dabala had signed for Real. But you know what? It is what it is. We have to we have to live with it. But I think it's a great move for Roma. I just don't think it makes sense for Paul Dabala. Fair enough. Um, so you said that shows. I just don't see him fitting in. At like, I feel like Tottenham just has so much. Like the holes that they don't need are are the ones up top. And Chelsea, especially with the Sterling signing, I don't know if that necessarily fits. It would be interesting to see for sure, though. Yeah, 100%. I agree. So moving along here. Moving along. So this one is a surprise to me. Um, I was not expecting him to leave Man City, nor was I expecting him to go to Arsenal. This is uh, Zenchenko. Someone who's been a solid squad player for Pep Guardiola. Um, obviously, his weakest position is playing left back. He is a central midfielder. Um, we we do expect more, um, but you know it is what it is. Uh, Zinchenko, I don't know where he fits in this Arsenal team personally. Uh, personally, I'm with you. I don't think he's gonna be getting regular starts. To be honest. I see him as a sub to be. He's a quality player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I like the guy. I think the whole world likes the guy, especially with all the recent events that's been going on with the whole Ukraine situation. But I just don't see him fitting in here at Arsenal. Well, here's the thing, right? It's like, um, um, 
what's it called? Um, today, uh, son. I, I I want to frame this like properly because I don't doubt his ability, and I don't think he's a super sub or a bench player um, in this Arsenal side. But as as a midfield three, who do you play? Because you have Martin Odegaard. Zinchenko likes playing more of a box to box. Um, they have uh, um, what am I playing? Thomas Party. Uh, they're bringing in other players for the midfield spot, so it's just really confusing. Yeah, um, I just feel like it's just going to get mixed up, and they might have just too many guys within it, and I think it's going to be a hard time for their manager of who to go with. Um, personally, I go with an Odegaard over him. I go with a party over him, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, agreed, 100%. But uh, um, I... I do- Zinchenko, I think, is a good signing. I I do believe it's a good signing for the club. They needed someone like him, especially uh, Mikel Arteta, who's worked on uh, worked with him at Man City, so it's a, it's a familiar face. That's the thing, like a Jesus and a Zinchenko link up, I would not mind seeing. I'm sure the Man City fans are going to be a, a little bitter when they do see it, but Arsenal is on the come up. I mean, this is a club who's honestly, I think they're making smart moves here, even though I here. with the Midfield possibly getting a, a little muddy, but they seem to be trending in the right direction. How confident are you with them finishing top four in the Prem next year? It's it's a scary thought, personally, as a United fan. Um, they're not they're not the jokingly team they've been this past season or so. Um, it's it, it's it, it's a scary thing. I'm gonna say that. Um, I would not underestimate this team, unlike Besmir and Dayan and some of our fellow you know, co-hosts that come on the show. I, I do think they're going to be a serious threat this year. Um, I don't, here's the thing, like in my head, I already know two spots are automatically going to Liverpool and Man City. So it does, I, I what's going to happen with Chelsea that we're still waiting on them getting more center backs. Um, we're still waiting on to see what United can do under Ten Hag. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen with Jesus at Arsenal. And is he really going to go like, in his like prime form, um, Darwin Nunez. We don't know what's happening there. Um, yep, thanks, mom. Love you too. Uh, blowing up my phone. Really appreciate you. But <laughs> it's it, it's it's a big thing going on right now. Um, it's a big thing. Well, here's the thing. Let, let me ask you this, right? So obviously, last year the the pre, the top six in the Premier League went Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Manchester United. Out of those three, I think City with the acquisition of Holland got even better. Uh, Liverpool picking up Darwin Nunez, um, even though they lost Sadio Mane, I think are still at the same level. I don't know if they necessarily got better, but I think they're still there. Chelsea seemed to have gotten better. Do you think Tottenham got better? Um, Tottenham? This is a tough Um Tottenham have brought in a lot of players. They used Pesuma, a Perisic, or a Charleston. Um, they've gotten rid of Bergwijn. They're they've they're really changing up the shape of this team. And, and they just picked up Leglet. Yeah, I'm about to say that's also a, a talking point coming up right now. Is a is a Linglet from Barcelona. This again, like I, I, you, we just have to wait and see for what's going on because this is gonna be this is gonna be a spicy season. Like I, I don't want. I hate judging seasons based off of only transfer windows alone, but it everything looks like it's making sense for a lot of teams, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so with the recent transfers, who do you think is looking better on paper right now, a Tottenham 
or a um a Chelsea. If we're talking about I'm sorry, Arsenal. A Tottenham or Arsenal, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, Tottenham or Arsenal. Um I think I'm gonna have to say Tottenham, to be honest. I think Yizbusuma, Kulisevsky, Richarlison, and um a lot of these other players make way more sense than um than a, a lot of what has been like shown for us, you know? Definitely. I'm with you there. But uh so, yeah, I, I I'm have to say to him. Like this might this might uh bite me in my behind uh coming up, but you know it is what it is. We're just gonna have to deal with it. Honestly there. You know, I, I like what you're saying and I did disagree with you, but I don't know, man. I, I really think this Arsenal team is moving in the right direction. Here's the thing, the the only deciding factor that make that makes the tails like tip for me is that Arsenal have a Mikel Arteta who's still a newer manager, and Tottenham have a serial winner in um, Antonio Conte. You know, that that's because I feel like both both of their transfer business has been like equal to each other, but it's just the manager. I, I think the manager sells me better at Spurs. Like nothing to discredit Arteta for. I think he's had a great season for what he did with Arsenal, but I think more credit has to be given to Antonio Conte. Fair enough. Um. And then I believe did we get to the Koulibaly Chelsea transfer? Uh no, we did not. So we can talk about that right now. So Abadou Koulibaly uh can cover Kane and Vardy. <laughs> it's just there's a little cheeky meme from online. But Koulibaly um is I feel like three years too late for a Chelsea team. Okay. To be honest. He's thirty one. He's a great player, don't get me wrong, but this was a signing that's been linked for the longest time that should have happened seasons ago, you know? And do I... Here's the thing. So this back line now in comparison to last season, I think they've downgraded a lot. And I think that's like not having in Christensen, not having a Rudiger. Um, granted, they've ha- they have Mark Gehi back. So uh, back three of Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, and Gehi is really exciting for some fans. But I would have much rather have it been Gehi, um, Rudiger, and Thiago Silva. But, you know, Chelsea fans are just going to have to live with it. But it's a good signing. Chelsea need it. I think at this point they'll take any good center back for their team. Uh, Especially yeah. with having transfers like Koundé just going on and off again and supposedly Barcelona getting him. It just It's just a rough time of it. Yeah, I think you summed that one up perfectly there. And last but not least here, I mean... We got to come back to to your old love. Old Trafford has just signed uh, Erickson. How are you feeling? So I I dislike the arguments that people make of a guy with a heart condition. But a guy with a heart condition dominated the Premier League for six months and was able to show people what he can do in a Brentford side, you know? Um, it's someone that I don't think is going to be a guaranteed starter, I think this is the signing you make because it's a World Cup year where the Premier League allows you to have five subs. You're allowed a six sub for concussion if anything happens. Um, You're going to be playing a multitude of more games overlapping each other because there's going to be a big break in November, December for the World Cup. Yeah, I'm so... How do I put this? I'm torn on it because I know he's a quality player. It's just... He is 30, which normally wouldn't scare me, but, like, I got to be honest, the heart condition has me on watch. Um, 
I think he he's best used being in the rotation, not having to be the everyday starter, just so you can actually give him a break and make sure that he's well, still yeah, good. I, Bradford, you gotta understand, Bradford, he was every day, every game starter. Yeah, like he wasn't getting really that many breaks. Whereas at United, he's gonna have time, which is why I'm not that I'm not too worried for him. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I don't know. Like I said, the heart condition definitely has me scared. But as you said, he did do so. He was more than solid for six months last season for Brentford. I don't know though. I feel like it's yet to be seen, and I don't want to judge it too pre early. And I'm definitely being biased just because of the medical condition. I mean, yeah, rightfully so. You have every right to be sort of concerned in that regard. I mean, we're talking about we're not talking about like an uh, a pulled hamstring here. I mean, we're talking about a heart condition at thirty. You know, and nothing against the guy. I mean, the fact that he's he hasn't hung up the boots. I mean, we saw pretty sure Sergio Aguero literally end his career for something similar. He went down on the pitch in the middle of an international game. You know, um, well, I feel like there's a difference between uh, like the heart a heart arrhythmia. arrhythmia that Aguero has in comparison to a Christensen. Um, and especially because he has the pacemaker, he has like basically every game, he has vitals built into him tracking him to see what, what will happen. So there's very, there's preventive cautions being put in and kudos to a lot of these professional teams, even still giving him that chance that he rightfully does deserve as being a quality player that he is. Yeah, I, I'm with you. But um, Artie, I believe that covers... All the giant transfers that have happened. Uh, yes, that is all of our confirmed transfers done and dusted. I'm caught up on all of my business. Meanwhile, probably like 10 minutes ago, Fabrizio Romano was posted a here we go of some random to a random, you know. It's... <laughs> so where are we going now? Now we are going to, I would like a drum roll, please, Maz, if you can. Uh, where are we at? There we are. You're tapping. Thank you. So we are going to the local love a segment that uh, that has been raved about online. We are doing ink or stink. Definitely got to love it. For, you got to love the name, right? So for those of you who are listening for the first time, hello, how are you doing? But so ink or stink is basically a segment where we talk about either a club will ink a player like they should uh, put pen to paper, put the pen to the ink and sign him. Or if there's a stinker and you should stay away, like he's just not good enough. Why is your club wasting your time on him? So, Maz, I've sent you a list of transfers, rumors that are a possibility. Which one do you think is the better move? Like out of all of them that you sent me? Like, so which one do you sort of want to like start with? Which one sort oh, of let's, I want to start with the Martin Terrier to the possibility of West Ham because I'm excited for it. Yes, so here's the thing. So you and I, I think, were the only one defending the Rens boys on the league on team of the season. And um, one of them is now leaving to go to West Ham. Yeah, and not only, as you said, it's just one of them, but it's one that made a giant contribution last season. Yeah, well, here's the thing. The, the, the attacking three there at Rens went off a jork. Uh, Terrier and Beauregard were absolutely insane in Lego and they went they went crazy. And Terrier to West Ham makes sense because even though we love on the show, 
Mikel Antonio gets all the praise he deserves, 110%. But we, you can't keep relying on him as your only solo striker. Like, they have no other striking options. They sometimes have to force Jared Bowen there through the middle where, I, honestly, I love seeing him play wide more. He's a way better creator out wide, and you trust him to be able to work there through that channel. So bringing in a striker, I think, makes sense. Absolutely, especially a striker that's coming off a 21-goal season. Obviously, it was over in the French League, but still, I, I think this translates probably to at least 16 goals. I mean, I'd say um, if he hits 12, it's a successful season for a West Ham striker. Yeah, especially I'm, because you, well, especially because you know that he's gonna get you a handful of assists as well because that's what he did for that. Uh, Ren's team. He was playing striker. He was playing left wing. He was interchanging with a jork. Um, it's it's a solid it's a, it's a solid player, and I think it's someone that they'll benefit from highly, especially with the future of Declan Rice still unknown. Having another creator in that team, especially who can be at that uh, at the front line, like the tip of your front line, will help tremendously. Yeah, I, I'm definitely still pretty high on him. I just thought that the the Ren's boys had such a good season, and. It's not like like listen, going to like a West Ham, it's there's not gonna be much pressure, I feel like. I think he's gonna be pretty comfortable and I think they're gonna be looking to use him even more so than his previous team did. I, I, I'm really excited for this one. I mean, speaking of West Ham, um we do have to talk about I mean, we're in Albania, so it's 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 it sort of makes sense that we have to talk about. Um Broha from Chelsea is supposedly reported to go to West Ham as well. Um, I here's the thing. So with supposedly having um, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, he's the Algerian winger for West Ham. Um, I know exactly you talk about. Um, he has like he he had the the bleached hair, but it was like a it was like a buzz cut. Why am I blinking? Why am I blinking? Because he's supposedly leaving to go back to Brentford. He came from Brentford. Um, Saeed Ben Rama. There we go. Thank you. Saeed Ben Rama. He is supposedly leaving. And I don't, uh, they really don't have that many other options for width besides Jared Bowen. And um, uh, Nico Vlasic is supposedly leaving now uh, because he just hasn't hit the ground running. He's not really fitting into the West Ham team like how they expected to. He wasn't really that like for like replacement for Jesse Lingard from two seasons prior, so um, it, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough option for them. But Do I mean, you, are you confident that Broha could be the guy that they need though? That's the thing because we we discussed this earlier. Um, Broha, I think, what got too overhyped halfway through the season and then he started underperforming. He's still a young player. Um, I think that's one of the biggest issues with the Premier League is that as soon as someone has a decent season, they get overhyped and um, they sort of it's sort of like um, it's sort of like jinxing them in a way. You have to give them time to adjust and figure themselves out. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's a 20 year old who's coming off. I mean, six goals at 20 years old in the hardest league in the world. There's definitely going to be hype behind you. Um, I I just think he needs to weather the storm. Here's the thing, especially playing for like a struggling uh, Southampton side, it's it's really tough, you know. For sure. So I mean, I think the move to to uh, West Ham 
could be quality there. Um, I just think he, he just needs to weather the storm of hype and just get back to what he's been doing, what got him here. He's going to be completely fine. Oh, yeah, of course, 100%. Now, if he gets caught up in the lights, then everything I just said just went out the window. Well, here's the thing, right? It's like, um, how do I say it? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, he's Albanian, so he's going to be fine. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <That's fair laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm, <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, if if he he's not going to be the only Albanian now in the Premier League with a Thomas Jerkosha now being confirmed to going to Brentford. I know that's not one I have on the list for interesting, but um, still, I want to talk about my Albanians because it's my show. Dan's not here to give his Serbian propaganda, so we're going to give him a shout-out because why not? His Serbian propaganda. Shout-out, Dayan. <laughs> Honestly, facts. Um, but anyway, um, so from there, we have, um, we have Burnt Leno to Fulham. Now, I think Burnt Leno... Bayer Leverkusen, Bert Leno was a sensation, sensational goalkeeper. Bert Leno for his first season and a half, two seasons at Arsenal was great. I think it's sort of unfair to him because as soon as Arsenal finally start getting good defenders for him, um, they start replacing him out with Ramsdale. And don't get me wrong, Ramsdale is phenomenal. And now they've also brought in Matt Turner, who was one of the top goalkeepers in the MLS. I think it, it does give him a rough time, and he does deserve to be a starting goalkeeper somewhere. Yeah, um, I definitely would like to see him on the move, and going to a Fulham would be just fine, especially at the age that he's at. I believe he's around 30 years old. You don't want to you, you want to start seeing regular football, you know what I mean? Especially with the names that you just brought in. I personally watch like a lot of Matt Turner in the MLS. As you know, I'm a big MLS uh, advocate, and he just came off... Uh, that great season with the revolution. Um, I think this Fulham move is is just fine. It's a sol- You're getting a solid veteran. You know, it's not necessarily... Oh, yeah. I don't think it's like he, a sexy move, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's a good move for Fulham. I think it's a perfect move, bringing in a solid goalkeeper like him, because Fulham's last time around, they were saved from not being tortured even more with having Alfonso Areola in goal. Mm-hmm. So now bringing in... Yeah, Bert Leno, who will give you some security if you aren't able to strengthen that back line, I think is a is, is a good thing to be doing, and it's a smart thing to be doing from a Fulham. But speak, I, I think Fulham is in here for some big business because they want to bring in a Kevin and Babu from Wolfsburg. Now he's someone that is rated highly in the ball knowledge football community, but when it comes to research scouts and scouting networks of professional clubs, he just gets overlooked for no reason whatsoever. And the fact that if a, if a Fulham might be able to sweep him up, I think it's going to bring so much security and so much um, strength to that team because I think he's going to have the same effect as a uh, Cornet did at Burnley. And that was someone who was definitely way too good for Burnley's uh, stature. Yeah, I, I just think this guy just has such a good motor. Um, 27 years old. I've seen him play for Switzerland. He He's a solid signing, and, and I think a team like Fulham could really benefit from bringing him in. So I, I think we're forgetting to say our key words, but for Terrier, that's an ink. Broha, I think, is an ink. Burnt Leno is an ink. And Maz, are we on the ink train here? I, th- I think I'm the fee ink. is... The- Here's the thing. I think 
I think the only I think the only thing is the fee might be an issue here. If they have to pay more than 30, 40 million for him, then I think it's uh it's definitely gonna be a stink. But if they get him under that forty million mark, is one hundred percent. I think you I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think under forty million, I absolutely love the signing. If you don't overpay, I mean, anything more than that, it's okay. You're anymore? spending too much. Meanwhile, here we're talking about British pounds of forty million. So yeah, like, so you're talking like almost sixty. Yeah, you're talking about sixty million dollars. If it's more than sixty million dollars, then there's a problem there. Um, next is Harry Winks to Everton. Now, if you're in Everton, I would be a little bit concerned because you've lost to Richarlison. Donny Van de Beek has gone back to Manchester United from loan. Um, I I think this is the first stink we have in this list. I think Harry Winks to Everton is a big stink, 110%. Um, I, he was, he's not good enough for him, and I don't think he's good enough for an Everton. I'm going to be honest. I think you're being nice about it. This I, is... You know, I, 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 I hate the move. Uh, I, I'm not a fan. What are you really going to get out of him? Couldn't make it at, at Tottenham. I, I don't think he's going to make it out at Everton. Um, yeah, I, this is my first stink all the way. You see, like, I sadly put him in the same category as Scott McTominay. He's someone who can thrive as a bench player, but he's not... Like, McTominay can be a Premier League starter at at, at Everton, but Harry Winks just can't. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. Scotty McTominay and Winks, if I never saw them again, it'd be too soon. I mean... I don't think think Scotty McTominay could be a starter at Everton. I I think you're right with him and and Winks being the same kind of guy. Just Tommy Younger. Here's the guy I said. If West Ham loses Declan Rice, someone playing that number eight role as a secondary CDM, I can see McTominay filling that role because every time he's had a good Manchester United performance, he's been playing it. He played as a box-to-box. He plays as a more progressive midfielder. I think that's been the biggest issue with this McFred uh, relationship is that people see them as two deep lying CDMs when that's not the case. Fred, when he was playing at, it was Shakhtar Donetsk, if I'm mistaken. He was playing as a number 10. He was playing as a box to box. He's a forward player. He's an attacker. McTominay playing in the youth academy. Yeah, he was playing in a double pivot, but he was primarily in number eight playing box to box. Like some of his best United, um, moments for Manchester United have been some of the screamers he scored for the team. Like, it's clearly shown that he has to be a progressive footballer. He has to be playing up the field. He's not a deep-lying player. Yeah, I feel you. I just, I don't know, man. I Both of them, eh, I feel like that might be a little of the United bias coming out in you. No, However. That, that's, that, that's me being perfectly honest because I, I think, for example, someone like a Billy Gilmore is someone who's 10 times better than a Scott McTominay, and he's a Chelsea product, and he's Scottish. He's someone who has gotten man of the match in four of his debuts for a Chelsea. Like, that's someone who plays the exact same role as McTominay, who's better, who plays for an opposing club, who I despise, by the way. So, it's a, it, that's just me being blunt with the facts and being honest. Fair enough, but... Unlike, uh, unlike Besmir, you know, Chelsea <laughs> propaganda. Hey, listen, we all have our biasness here at times. Shout out, Bez. Um, but I, we're both on the Harry Winks stinks... Uh, status right this is a big stinker for Everton if they sign him got you um now I mean we gotta let it go Madrid yeah we have Mukiele to Atletico now Mukiele 
is someone who plays as like a right back or slash center back for Leipzig. And to be honest, I think this is the one position at Atletico that's been like a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Like rotating between a Vershalko. Um, it would, um, what's it's the Colombian, what's the Colombian guy's name that ended up going to Granada? Uh, such with the A, I think. Yeah, you lost me on yeah. that one. I have not. I, I wish Bez was here because I know he'd know. No, no, Dan would know, and Dan would be very disappointed in me if I don't know, if I don't figure out his name. I know what starts with the A. This is like the Ben Raman. I'm like blanking on it. Um, Granada. Who are you looking for? Um, Granada Football Club, based out of Liga. Uh, the right back. He's a Colombian right back. Anybody? Anybody out there? Somebody please send already a text and save him right now. Oh my god, wait. No, he's he's back at Atletico now, so I have to search Atletico Madrid. Oh my god. And this here we is, are. On ninety point three WMSC. Nope, no, we're not. We're here with um Oh Arias, there we go. Finally. He was a guy from Bayer Leverkusen. His name is Santiago Arias. He's a right back. And bringing in someone like Mukiele to replace that position for him, I think, is a big W. Especially when they only have two left back options in Ronaldo and Renan Lodi. And then you really just only have a host of center backs. You really don't have anyone for that right flank. So I think Mukiele is a 100% ink. I think he's someone who could make that team way more dynamic than it is. Yeah, it's definitely an ink for me. You're talking about a player that not like you get versatility with him, especially when they need defense. Um, and the fact that you can plug him in to multiple, and he's in, you know coming from Leipzig, who's not no slouch of a club, and usually their guys do pretty well. So I like it. It's an ink for me. Yeah. So then next after Mukiele, we have um, Cavani to. Real of Tavia Real. Now he's going on a free transfer. Um, this is sort of a weird move because I think it's a good move for him, but also Via Real have um a host of attacking talent. So I'm just curious where he legitimately fits in this team, you know. Uh, for me, it's an ink just because getting Cav- I know he's older, but getting Cavani on the free, I mean, why not? It's it's somebody that you know you can just use as a super sub. Um, he's he gets the job done when he's usually there. And him not having, because they have so many options to go with, and he doesn't have to be like your main guy at this age, I absolutely love that he's going to have that um, that time to get the rest that he needs and come and make an impact most needed. It's definitely an ink for me. Mostly because it's a free. Yeah, of course. I, I, think, I think it's ink. It's just a weird move for me personally. Um... Because I, I could have seen him, to be all honest, he could have gone to any host of club and being a backup player, you know? I could have seen him gone to a Bayern and being a backup to Sadio Mane. I could have seen him going to Real being a backup to Benzema. I could have seen him going to any Premier League club and being either a starter for the bottom 10 or being a super sub for the top 10 teams, you know? Um he could have even gone to the Bundesliga, Serie A. He could have gone back to. He could have gone back to Napoli. Him and Ostiman would have linked up so well. That's why, like this Villarreal move, sort of confuses me a bit. Yeah, I mean, 
listen, this is a guy who was linked with the MLS for a little bit there, and the fact that he's still playing at a high level, I, I mean, I like to see it. He, I don't know if Bayern necessarily would have wanted him. However, everybody else that you just named, I could definitely see the interest there. However, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm assuming just, this came down I'm, to to wages. I, I'm not going to lie. Edison Cavani to Red Bulls should have happened. I should remind. I don't know why that didn't happen. It should have happened. New York Red Bulls, we need a striker. Yeah, absolutely. I was just at that game, and you definitely need some. All they're missing is somebody to just bang it in the back of the net. Because I, I watched them in the first Derby game in the U.S. Open Cup, and they're their pressing system is second to none at the moment in the MLS. Like, they're playing such a high press, and it's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's why you're seeing them in the third slot of the Eastern uh, Conference. Uh, if they could just get somebody like an Ederson Cavani in there, they'll be fine. It might actually even oh, get yeah. them over the hump. They might actually be able to win the whole thing if they get somebody to bang it in the back of the net. It was the same thing like when Thierry Henry came. Like they were, they were a solid team, just missing that sting. And as soon as you bring someone like a like a Thierry Henry, someone who's like one of the best players to play in the game, um, it, it's just it, it it's it's groundbreaking. You know, it really is a big change. But anywho, that's Edison Cavani. He's gone from Manchester United. Oh well. And speaking about another Manchester United uh, rumor, <laughs> this one I like, but I don't like at the same time. I'm assuming you're talking about the Akanji move. Yes. So Akanji, I think, is a world-class player for Dortmund. I'm just worried that United might ruin him, to be honest. <laughs> At least you're honest about like it. That, that, like, don't get me wrong. Like Eric, I trust Eric Ten Hag, but I don't trust Manchester United because I feel like every manager that goes to Manchester United just like starts becoming a different person. Like they, they start getting like split personality disorder. I don't know what it is. Do you think it's the pressure um, from the board? I don't, I don't know what it is because United is just a mess at the moment. And I talked about it in the dear Manchester United video and uh, audio. So if you want to hear my opinion about Manchester United, you can go check it out. If not, you don't have to see it. It's fine. I don't low key don't blame you, but <laughs> yeah. Um, a kanji, I think it's a great move for United. Like, imagine having a back two of, or even a back three of Lissandra Martinez, uh, Rafael Varane, and Akanji. I think would just be great. And I'm, then maybe even, like, let's let's say we want Lissandra starting in midfield. Having a back three of Bailly, Varane, and Akanji is great. Or even Bailly, Lindelof, and Akanji is great, you know? I'm just going to be honest with you. It's an ink for me just because Manchester United needs all the help on defense they can get. De Gea's just been out there on the island for too long. Get some help in the back line. Anybody, anybody will do. Somebody that's not a refrigerator like Harry Maguire. Exactly. Slab had out Akanji in. If we could do a trade deal for him, that'd be great. Just imagine, like, Dorman, we'll give you Harry Maguire, but you give <laughs> you give us Akanji, and we'll give you also $50 million on top of that. You're going like, to pay them to take Maguire off your hands. No, legitimately, this isn't going to be a transfer where we get Kanji. We're going to give them $50 million to take Harry Maguire. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for it if I'm you. Oh, my God. I think anyone's for it. But Speaking of $50 million, just, uh, Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just saying, I think it's an ink. It's just a stink if he, the club ruins him, to be honest. Fair enough. Uh, I'm with you just as I said. Ink all day. They just need somebody. Speaking of fifty million, that's big money to me. And when I think of big money, I think of PSG. 
Yeah, so Dan Juma to PSG. Now, Dan Juma is someone who was playing in the championship for Bournemouth and was someone who, if you were someone like Dayan or Bezmir, who have good ball knowledge, you would know that why is someone of his quality playing in the in uh in in at Bournemouth for a championship side. And then when we see him go to Villarreal, we see a player just absolutely thrive. Someone who was able to upset Bayern, who gave challenge to Liverpool. Uh, this is a class, class player. And if they lose out on someone like Neymar who wants to leave, and then you bring your PSG is also bringing in a player of Hugo Etetike's standard, who has been absolutely class as well. Like this is a smart. This is for once in a while a smart transfer coming in from uh, PSG. Granted, last year was a whole bunch of smart transfers, but they didn't really work out well. So it was a it was a you know big problem. But I I, I think Danjuma is in ink on ink on ink without a doubt. Um, you're actually gonna call me crazy here. I think just because it's PSG, it's gonna be a stink for me. They have too yeah, much and talent, I, and I I feel like they're gonna ruin them honestly because they I feel like. Not everybody can live up to it. There's just way too much talent. I would love to see him go to another club that he can legitimately... Like, this is a guy who could be a centerpiece, you know? And yeah, I, I just think I that there's just point. too much going on there. So just because it's PSG, it's a stink for me. Yeah, I hear your point there. It's just the fact of... You don't know what's going on with certain players. And when you have someone like and Neymar and Mbappe and Messi struggle in the Champions League and you have someone like Dan Juma who did what he did in the Champions League I think I would take the punt on him and even have the Bajones to tell one of the front three you're going to have to play as a number 10 this season just to make space for Jan- Dan Juma you know fair enough I mean I just don't see them it, it's going to be so hard. Everybody wants to be the star. I mean, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. I just don't know if they could necessarily get the job done, and I don't want to see this guy get lost in the sauce. Mbappe is the star. He got the contract that shows that he is a star of that club. You listen to him, okay? There's Galtier, the manager who just signed, but also Mbappe is the assistant manager, so you got to make sure you listen to him as well. Fair enough. You know, so, I mean, I, I think that's the first one that we disagreed on. But I, we're yeah. both with. I mean, we know the quality of player that he is. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're, you're, you're. You have the same concern as I do with seeing a Kanji going to United, and then it's vice versa for you for seeing a Danjuma go to PSG. So I understand your point of view. Absolutely. Uh, moving on here. Um, where are we? Mas, can, what's up? Can can someone take Pau Torres, please? I don't understand <laughs> why. Pau Torres has been linked to every single club under the sun. Why? Why has no one signed him yet? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I have absolutely no clue why he hasn't been on the move. I mean, he's 25 years old. All the potential is there. I mean, not even potential. You've seen him. What don't they want? I have no clue. I I, I just don't get it. Is it because... Chelsea's desperate for center back. They can't get him. United's desperate for center back. Can't get him. Barcelona want him. Can't get him. Real's offering to get him. Can't like every top club is in for him and offering money, but they're Real's just saying no. And you know what? Kudos to them for not wanting to get rid of a player they know is quality. But at the same time, it's like, how, like how has he just not gone already? You know, with someone with that talent. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that they're coming in a little on the uh, the cheaper side of things, and Villarreal knows what they have. I'm assuming. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense to me, honestly. Because how many times do yeah. you see teams at a Villarreal, a Villarreal level where it's like, you know, they're they're towards the, I guess you could say like the upper s echelon of like La Liga, but like they're not gonna win the thing, you know. So I don't know. I mean. Especially if they lose a Dan Juma. Like, granted, they brought in a Cavani, but I don't know. They want to, well, I mean, they want to bring in someone like a Cavani, but I just, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I guess they, they, but, they have to believe that they're making a push for La Liga. I don't see it getting done. And I don't think they're thinking about La Liga. I think they're thinking about Champions League. Fair. But like, e- even able- so. Go ahead. Like, to be able to have. Of go like foot to foot with Liverpool, knocking out a Bayern, um, knocking out Manchester United. Like, granted, we weren't the greatest team, but still, we we had a Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, yeah. like I think they believe in that future there because Villarreal has always strived for more of the European competitions, as we've seen them going all the way for Europa League, going to because granted, the only person that's beat them to Europa League is Sevilla every time. So I think they sort of want that footing in Europe. You know. Yeah, I mean, I got to give it to them just for having the uh, the willpower to hang on to them. They they have to believe in themselves 100%. I'm not sold on it, but I do got to give props there. So, oh, yeah, 100 I just don't want to see the kid necessarily get wasted, so we'll see what happens. Yes, 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 agreed, agreed. Now next, Memphis Depay. Now the two clubs he's rumored to is either Spurs or Arsenal. Uh, either way, it's an ink for I mean, me. I think either way, it makes no sense for the player. I think it's a stink. I think Memphis Depay, if he goes to a club, he has to be at a club where he's a guaranteed starter. And I don't see him guaranteeingly start over a Gabby Jesus, over a Harry Kane, over a Richarlison, over a Bakayo Saka, over a Martinelli, or a Huming Son, a Kulisevsky, um... It's, there's there's way too much competition in either of those teams for him to be getting the start he deserves. And if I'm perfectly honest, this is more so a Chelsea transfer maybe. I don't know why a club like Chelsea hasn't gotten in for him. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Um, he's I, I, I understand the concerns. And for the clubs, for me, I mean, this is a player of tremendous talent. I mean, just seeing what he does at the international and the club side, I mean, he has been the basically the face of young talent, I feel like, for a while. And obviously, I mean, he's no child anymore. But this is a guy where you're adding depth and can be a, like 100% should be a starter. I have no pro- I think he actually outbeats those guys and becomes the everyday starter and that they become the super subs. Well, that's I'm the that thing. Co- it's like. But you're talking about a Harry Kane, right? Who is probably one of the, besides Lewandowski, is one of the greatest strikers in the world. You have a real Charleston who is sort of on the same level as Depay, but yet Depay is a better talent, in my opinion. And I'm then with you. You also have a Huming Son who tied for the Golden Boot, where he scored, I think, a majority of his chances on his weak foot, too. Like, so it wasn't even like he was on his dominant side for everything. Like, he is just a phenomenal player. Like, this is the competition we're having. We're having Bakayo Saka, who is who is only 20 years old, but has been a guaranteed starter for the past three seasons for Arsenal. 
Like, there's, there's no jokes here. Like, this is some serious competition. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I don't know. I just feel like Memphis is just at that level. Um, and to be honest, I would have loved to see him see him go back to Manchester United, but I just think that bridge is burned, sadly. Because um, to to have someone to be sort of second fiddle to Ronaldo, to be sort of like that that forward option for us would be great because then him and around the team with Anthony Martial, a Jaden Sancho, a Marcus Rashford, a Bruno Fernandez, I think he would have suited us so well. No. But sadly, you know, he he has that like that tarnished past with the club. I mean, I I'm gonna be honest. I I think Depay could. I I'm with you, but I think he would fit in. I mean, moving him out to a wing, I I don't see why it wouldn't work. But you know, it is what it is. Memphis Depay. Um, I think it's a stink if it's Spurs or Arsenal. Um, like I said, I I'm actually liking. I think he lives up to the moment. I think he can become the starter. I think it's an ink, and maybe I'm putting a lot of stock in him, but. I just think he's that quality of player, and when you can acquire that kind of talent, you have to do it. And then you just figure out what to do afterwards. Agreed. Now, last but not least, um, this guy is actually like one of the biggest memes in football, and that is Martin Braithwaite of Barcelona going to a Fulham. Now, at first when I was reviewing this transfer, I'm like, why are we even going to talk about this on the show? I think it's sort of one that's like there for the jokes but in actuality i could see him having like a 12 goals three assists or like uh nine goals and like no no or a, a nine assists and four goal type season like he's actually a solid player and we see how solid he is for denmark and we see what he's done for barcelona time and time again um i think this is actually ink for fulham um i think it's having an someone to which is i think it's ink yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, just anybody that can f- find the back of the net, especially when you are at the level of a Fulham, uh, I'm for it. If I'm Braithwaite, I'm looking for a slightly bigger competition, but I don't know if he's at that level anymore. Well, well here's the thing, Maz. We're talking about a Fulham team where they had Mitrovic break the championship record for most goals scored in a season. And Mitrovic, I think, is a player who is quality and Dan would love us talking about him because he's Serbian but someone who's quality who could start for any team in the Prem and do we think that like in my head I see Martin Braithwaite as someone who can help elevate him do you think he can help elevate him or do you think is this just like a joke signing um I'm always I mean listen he is Braithwaite I believe is like 31 ish um I definitely think having the Season veteran there is always good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I like it to be honest with you. I, I'm very big on the younger guys learning. I mean, you hear your guys talk about it. Um, like back in the day, they used to actually listen to the to the seasoned vets there. That's how these big guys like the Messi, the Ronaldo's, Lewandowski's. Like that's how they got to where they're at. You know. Yeah. Um, I think we need to cherish these kind of guys more. Yeah, without a doubt, I I hear you on that one. That's why I think it's I think it's ink. I think you think it's ink. I think it's an ink. Now, even if he doesn't necessarily do much on the pitch, I mean, just for the club culture, I think it's a good locker room guy. Yeah, but also it's sort of like that Drew at the World Cup. Like Drew didn't get a single goal involvement, but exactly. yeah, he was so cr- pitch for France. So I hear what you're saying, dude. He reminds me so much of Giroud, to be honest with you. Just like that box kind of guy. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, but like Drew's like high key handsome, bro. Like that guy should have been a model, not a footballer, bro. Um, you're not wrong, but he's made a solid career as being a footballer, and I'm pretty sure that- he has a World Cup to show for it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like that. Like that's the point I'm making. It's, it's crazy, but yes, yeah, I guys, wish so I had that hair, up? dude. I mean, I'm 24 with this receding hairline, and Oliver Giroud just out there, not a- aging like a fine wine, and a full head of hair that's just luscious. Yeah, I can't I, stand it. High school, used to have that kind of hair. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, no, I never had anymore. that kind of hair. But, but uh, guys, um, just to wrap up talking about the show. The Premier League starts in 16 days. August 5th is when the first game occurs. How excited are you? This, this is probably the earliest start we've ever seen for a Premier League ever, and I think that's because of the World Cup. I think there's no other reason besides the World Cup. Well, here's the thing. This is going to be an interesting one for me because this is my first time we watching a Premier League game live in Europe. So I want to see how the locals sort of like take to watching games. Over Who here, are you, you know? going to see? Um, I, I, I don't know which, which, uh, pub or bar I'm going to, but, um, I'll figure it out when the time comes. I think cause Besmer is going to be here with me. Oh, fair enough. Fair happening. enough. So, I mean, so we'll be figuring it out, see where we're going to be. So Artie, let me, let's, let's give a little predictions here. I mean, where do you, who do you expect? Nope. 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 Can't give it. No. You can't even give me one. Maz, you have, you have to understand. I, we had a competition. Of who would get the most right when um when when the end of the season came around and went in the winter. Yep. And what happens is that every time I shoot myself in the foot with Manchester United. <laughs> so just to make sure I, I think we'll do a separate episode for this, but just to make sure I, I don't uh I don't ruin it for myself, I am going to abstain from making any comments about Premier League predictions for now. Fair enough. And I can't blame you, because just remember, Maz won the Premier League table last year. Okay, I would have won by like six or seven points if I didn't mess up the one pick. Let's make this, let's make this very clear. I mean, Artie, yes, but it's that one pick that got you. And I'm out here. I mean, let's be honest, dude. I ran the top six. Who does that? I mean, yeah, that is, Give a, me that, some credit. That is a very... That credit, I give credit where credit is due, but who can guess the majority of the teams? Oh, from no, I, I'm, to- I'm going to be honest with you. You got me on the entire thing. I had a magical moment. I don't think I repeat it. That is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but guess what? I did it. I'm clutch. I'm out here. But here's the thing. I have to give credit where credit is due because you were the first person to call out anything for Tottenham in top four before anybody ever was. That's where I have to give credit. I appreciate it because uh, I'm going to be honest. I think they dropped this year. I I mean we'll see Tottenham. I, I think Tottenham has a chance, but Oh, here guys, we go. Hitting them with the uh with the little predictions here. But guys, uh, that's the only prediction I'm making. We'll see what happens. Um thank you so much for tuning in for this um sort of different type of episode. Uh there's no main topic, there was no main shtick here. It was just me and Maz um covering some recaps, uh, discussing some moves, some big big money moves. And just having a little fun for this one, um, giving a little BTS for a prior episode, which was a very hectic and but very fun and very heartwarming one. So, Bing bong. Make I'm not I'm not suggesting anything, but if you want, Maz is gonna be here for another two hours on the station talking about every other sport but the world's favorite sport. So, hey, we're out we'll here, see bro. What and Maz in the midday coming up. If you want to stick around, that's on you. We truly appreciate it here. We are entering hour number three 
of Maz. Here we are. And this is... Go ahead, Artie. You're listening. Top of the hour. On WMSC, Upper Montclair. And this is... Match Week. I think that's it. That's it. I'm waiting for you. Yeah, you got feeling for John. Yeah, yeah. Este, yes. Match week. Thank you, guys. Make sure you tell somebody you love them. I'll catch you on the next one. Have a great day. My day's nearly over over here. It is um, six o'clock by me, um, but it's bright and early in the morning for you guys. So I'll see you later. I love you. Have a good one. Artie, I love you. You have a good one. (laughs) 